Hey, listener, it's me, Hal Dodd. And I have a message for you about today's show. I'm getting things together for the next crop of season two episodes, but for this little break, I'm unlocking a bonus episode from behind the Fast Track Patreon paywall, which can be breached over at patreon.com slash howledotty. That's patreon.com slash H-O-W-E-L-L-D-A-W-D-Y. This was a fun one for me. This is one of many, many formats that the bonus shows have. Uh, this one's called Haldotti's Punch-Up, and on it, I am flying solo, and I take a great song that I love, and I make it even better. I get in there with the knobs and the wires, and I just uh, make some very subtle adjustments. I just tighten up the, I tighten up the lugs, on, on the song. I just make everything uh, a little bit better. Now, if you love this episode, uh, I got two pieces of good news for you. One, there's loads more bonus episodes available behind the paywall for just $5 a month. And two, I will be releasing episode two of this format of Hal Dottie's Punch-Up this weekend. Now, on the other hand, if you hate this episode... I still have some good news for you. Even the haters I have good news for here. You can head over to patreon.com slash and subscribe for $5 a month to get access to the exclusive Discord server where you are allowed to yell at me and I have to listen. There's a complaints thread in the Discord server. If you have any complaints about what takes place in this episode. So here it is, Hal Dottie's Punch-Up, episode one. Enjoy. Again, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash H-O-W-E-L-L-D-A-W-D-Y. But either way, thank you very much for listening. And if you already support the show, thank you. I love you so much. Bye-bye. Welcome to Hal Dottie's Punch-Up. I'm Hal Dottie, and this is a brand new show for supporters of Hal Dottie's Fast Track, on which I will be taking great songs that I love and making them better than they were before. Now, let me be clear. I'm not doing this because I think these songs aren't good or aren't good enough or because I think that I'm better or more skilled than the great artists that created them originally. No. I'm going to be doing this because as an artist myself... I know that perfection can only be sought. It can never be found, and I see no reason why people shouldn't be uh, updating their catalogs all the time as new technology uh, comes along or attitudes towards things change as your taste gets louder or softer or as you have a harder and harder time explaining to your young children why it's okay for one of your hero characters to shoot a guy dead in a bar without a direct threat on his life. I think, you know, people should just re-release all of their stuff pretty much any time they feel like it could be better. So, with the 2020 hindsight of a Monday morning quarterback, I, Howell Dottie, shall be tackling the best songs I can think of and coaxing and prodding and gently nudging them nearer and nearer to absolute perfection. The first song I will be doing this with is Once in a Lifetime by Talking Heads. <laughs> Thank you. 
Once in a Lifetime was released in February 1981 as the lead single from Talking Heads' album Remain in Light, which they co-wrote and co-produced with studio legend and ambient music pioneer Brian Eno. Like the rest of the album, the song is pieced together from jam sessions featuring multiple guest musicians and musical experiments with Byrne eventually adding the finished lyrics over top of the mix. This approach and the sound they were going for was heavily influenced by early hip-hop, funk, and in particular, the music of Fela Kuti. Byrne himself said that this song sounds like the band trying to play funk music and failing, but finding something else. And that is exactly the kind of musical risk-taking we appreciate here in the Fast Track community. Same as it ever was. 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 The song and the accompanying video were kind of breakout hits for Talking Heads and introduced them to a lot of people. National Public Radio has named Once in a Lifetime one of the 100 most important American musical works of the 20th century. It's on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Travis Morrison of the Dismemberment Plan called this song a perfect song. But he is, of course, mistaken. There's no such thing as a perfect song. By the way, thank you to the website Wikipedia for all of the information that I just said. So let's get into some of the main problems with Once in a Lifetime. There's three issues that you hear people talk about and complain about when they discuss Talking Heads Once in a Lifetime. And they are in really no particular order. Uh, number one, the song does not have enough chords. It's basically two chords. There's a lot of stuff going on, and the sections of the song do feel distinct from each other. But if you pick up a guitar and try to play Once in a Lifetime, it's two damn chords. It's two damn chords! Now, chords are important in music, in my opinion. Chords are how you know music is going somewhere. It's how you know you got back to where you were before. And it's how you know whether it was worth taking the trip in the first place. Now, back then, they probably thought, well, we're going crazy here in the studio. We're, we're getting all nutty with it. We're reinventing funk music for white people or whatever they thought. I don't know. And they were like, we don't want to cram too much music into the shit because uh, people might get confused. People might not know what's going on. But nowadays, you can do what, pretty much whatever you want, I think. I think it's the, everything, all the rules have been broken time and time again. And we, plus we have modern technology to clarify everything and, uh, and make everything sound really good. And our ears are accustomed to all different kinds of musics from across the world. So one of the things I will be doing on this episode of Hal Dottie's Punch-Up is uh, I'll be adding a little color, not a ton. I'm not going uh, to completely rewrite the song. I'm just going to be adding a little bit of movement, a few new chords, some what I think of as sort of rippling muscles and powerful tendons under the smooth, smooth skin of this song. The second issue that people have with the song Once in a Lifetime is the lyrics. Uh, they are very vague and they're weird. And that's in part, I think, because David Byrne is a very uh, weird and out there guy. But it's also because the lyrics started as these random syllables Brian Eno was yelling out 
while Tina and Chris were hard at work, you know, making fucking music. Shut up, Brian. The musicians are working right now. And he's just screaming out sort of nonsense syllables. But anyway, the lyrics are super vague. But it ended up sounding somewhere between a sermon and a guy having a sort of existential crisis. It's a, it sort of sounds like a, a middle-aged guy complaining sort of about having uh, like a big house and a big car and a hot wife. And I got to say, you know what? Cry me a goddamn river. Oh, no, I wasn't present enough to have felt all I could have felt in my life while I amassed this convenient upper middle class lifestyle. Give me a break. And I'm, of course, talking about the character in the song. I'm not talking about David Byrne himself, who, by all accounts, is very, very well adjusted and a very warm and loving person and bandmate. But anyway, this is a bunch of classic white guy shit. We're all sick of it. And today we are going to turn this lukewarm, quasi-spiritual, abstract, existential sermon, we're going to turn it into a song about going to the beach because the beach shit is all already there. The stuff about water, letting the water, you know, move you around and stuff like if you took out some of the uncertainty and some of the vagueness and just put in a few distinct mentions of I like my life and I'm at the beach, this suddenly becomes a celebration of something great instead of uh, complaining about nothing in particular. So I, th I happen to think that that's better. But I want to be clear, I, I can only do so much because I don't want to take David Byrne out of the song. So I have to be very targeted about how we adjust these things. We just need to make it, we're going to leave most of the lyrics the way they are. We're just going to make sure that you, the listener, understands that he's stoked that he has a car and a beautiful wife, and he's on a vacation, and he's having a good time. That's all we have to do. Um, and fortunately, the lyrics as they are are vague enough to where I think you can just drop in a few things and it will make that better. The third complaint that people commonly have that I hear all the time about Once in a Lifetime is that it does not have a rap in the middle of it. So I will be fixing that as well. I will be rapping in the middle of uh, Once in a Lifetime in the updated version that is better. Okay, so let's talk chords. Let's tackle these one by one. Here are the chords in the original song. Here's what the verse sounds like. And here is what the chorus sounds like. Okay, it's pretty samey, right? So uh, mostly with the exception of the backing vocals and the lead vocal, which have been cut out of that clip for clarity, it's really that jangly guitar part that takes us out of the ambiguity of the verse and into much more of a major key uh, realm. And that's cool. That's very cool. And we're not going to change that. But what we are going to do is we're going to add a little bit of variation, just a little bit, just a touch. Just subtle changes. So here's my verse. Listen to this. 
I didn't change the basics much, but you'll hear, okay, so I decided to go up here. And then the end of the phrase here, this is where I added a little funk sauce to this bad boy. Mm. Listen to that. See, that's better, I think. That tells you that you're back at the start and that you've been somewhere. And then here in this first verse, there's a sort of partial phrase that happens, sort of half of, a, of an added verse that I think was intended to just heighten the anticipation until the chorus, but they're just going back and forth to the same chords. So I decided it'd be better if we heightened the anticipation by, by hanging out on one of the chords instead. And then I drop in the little seventh there. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that's nice. That is nice. See, that's better. Now, of course, uh, I got a little fancier with it. Here's the original chorus again. My chorus, I added some pretty natural chord progressions Uh, it's very simple, and I didn't change it that much until we get to the end here. Listen to the end of this. Nah, nah, yeah. See, that's like a classic cadence right there that really lets you know that the chorus is over, and it lets you know that you've been through something. It's that classic sort of shave and a haircut. Mana. And I think that uh, I think that speaks to us all on a sort of primal level, shave and a haircut, because we all need to shave and a haircut. So, um... Two other things musically that I have done to the song. I wanted there to be a sort of more intense mode for the song to kick into. There's almost no dynamics in the drums and the bass and the guitar. So I, I took this guitar part, which I will isolate, and I kicked on the old distortion pedal and I turned it into this. And then in a few spots, you'll, you'll notice when you hear the eventual song, I took the basic drum beat, which sounds like this. And I changed it into this. And I didn't do that for the whole song. I, I, I did that in a few uh, key spots so that there's almost like a, there's a higher level of intensity there's a sort of plateau that we can reach that we weren't able to reach before with the dynamics of the original song. Okay, let's uh, talk about the lyrics for a minute. Uh, the goal with the lyrics is to be as absolutely precise as possible. We are cutting only the absolute minimum amount of things before we can turn this dreary, self-absorbed nonsense into a fun, feel-good song about going to the beach and having a great time. So subtlety is the name of the game with changing the lyrics. Uh, so... You may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. You may find yourself in another part of the world. You may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. You may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. You may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? Okay. The biggest thing I think we can do to change the overall vibe here is at the end, instead of going, well, how did I get here? As though there's maybe some problem to sort out or something. You're, you know, you're, you're trapped or you're just uncertain or something, or you have unanswered questions. No, let's get rid of that. Let's say you may ask yourself, well, how cool is this, right? Got a beautiful wife. You got a 
big, large automobile. You're in another part of the world. Uh, that's a privilege a lot of people don't get. Okay, so, uh, so that's all we're going to change there. Now in the chorus, letting the days go by, letting the water hold me down, letting the days go by. Letting the days go by is something that you could, you could say about a vacation, certainly. I'm not going to touch any of the water stuff. I think the water stuff could be... I think it's a little weird to say letting the water hold me down if you're talking about floating out in the ocean. But you know what? People talk about things different ways. So all we're going to change in the, in the chorus is the last line. And it's going to coincide with that really nice cadence that I added to the end of the chorus chords. And it's going to go once in a lifetime instead of water flowing underground, because who cares? Uh, instead of water flowing underground, it's going to, we're just going to straight up, we're just going to say it. We're just going to say once in a lifetime, beach vacation. He's on a once-in-a-lifetime beach vacation. So now at this point, even if there's some, like, big life questions being asked, that's okay because you're having a good time on your beach vacation. And a lot of times you do think about complicated things in your life when you are relaxing at the beach. I think it changes the, the vibe of the song, makes it more fun, and it's better. Two other big things that I think need to be changed in the lyrics. When he says, you may tell yourself this is not my beautiful house. You may tell yourself, this is not my beautiful wife. I don't think we need to even go there. I, th I say we, we make a minor change to each of those lines. And I think a lot of the beautiful wives out there in the world and a lot of the, uh, I guess, real estate agents out there will be overjoyed to hear that we are changing those lines to, I love my beautiful house. You may tell yourself, I love my beautiful wife. And then the last thing, I think, because the, 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 the last verse of the song is, all, is that one that's all sort of like screwed up, uh, sort of messed up with effects and the, the voice is kind of like being run through some kind of crazy effects pedal or something. So maybe you, in your imagination, he's just like swimming underwater and so you can't hear what he's saying. Again perfectly appropriate for the beach but there is this the post-chorus section where and uh i'm sure you know it where he goes same as it ever was same as it ever was same as it ever was now it's not that there's something wrong with saying same as it ever was it's just that that's an opportunity i think to do something really cool like say mention what beach you're on or give people suggestions for beaches they could go to, where they could also have uh, a good experience. So instead of, sort of going over this mantra about life just being the same all the time, how about you take people somewhere special? And I think what would be great here would be something very similar to what they do in Kokomo by the Beach Boys, which is Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take you. Like, if, if instead of same as it ever was, you just said hey, we're going to go to Jamaica, we're going to go to Aruba, we're going to go to Kokomo, off the Florida Keys. If, you know, if you're suggesting places that people can go, it's evocative, it's fun. So we're going to try to figure out a way without completely rewriting it to make that section of the song sound more like Kokomo, basically. In fact, you know what? Let's go back and let's listen to what the chorus sounds like with the new conclusion and with that new line at the end of it. And after that, we'll drop Kokomo into the song and we'll just see how it sounds. We'll use it as a sort of placeholder, see if that works. Beach vacation. Oh. 
Okay, that actually works really well. That's scary how well Kokomo fits into the thing. And you know, if they had actually, if they had done that in 1981, they would have scooped Kokomo. They would have beat Kokomo to the punch. So um, that's kind of interesting. Why don't we leave that in to this version of the song? And if uh, if they find out about it, we'll toss Mike Love a, a writing credit or something. I don't, I don't know. But I want to play for you guys the uh, rap section. This will be, a, I'll play you the instrumental that I have come up with for the, uh, for the rap section. And I, I want to talk about what the rap feature is going to be like in the song. So my favorite kind of rap feature is like uh, in pop songs of the around 2010 or so, in sort of the height of Ludacris's reign over rap music and pop music, where it seemed like everyone was, was trying to be very clever about how they fit into the song, making sort of double entendres about the title of the song, uh, adding clever references to their own names. There's a great, uh, there's a great ludicrous feature on a Tayo Cruz song where he says, you might say this is ludicrous. And he says his own name as, as one of the sort of punchlines of the, uh, of the rap feature. There was a, a lot of punchlines in uh, rap music at that time. And that's kind of where my mind goes on this because there's a lot of things that you could say about these guys in the song. He's like, talking heads. That's our, so already I'm thinking, okay, so talking heads, sports commentary. Uh, you could say once, you could make a reference to that movie. The one You could make a reference to uh, the movie called Once, Lifetime. You could talk about the channel, David Byrne. David Byrne. David Byrne. David Byrne sounds like a statue. The statue of David on on fire that's what it sounds like so you could like put those things together into a very simple but effective rap feature in the middle of the song so that's where we're going to go here is the uh here's what the instrumental is going to sound like you'll you'll hear that i i reused some of that crazy looped up david byrne voice in the background of it to give it some texture and to tie it to the rest of the song Okay, so I'm going to stop it. You, you may have not even noticed this, but there was a subtle uh, sort of atmospheric thing that I added in the background in that section of the song. I uh, very uh, sort of subtly mixed into the background the chant from Chumbawamba's tub thumping because I, I just wanted to see how much I could ratchet up the, you know, you know, sort of the energy and the spirit of the song. And I have to say, it slaps. It sounds great. And there's, uh, I think there's something like legitimately sort of, uh, I don't know, working class about Chumba, about those Chumbawamba lyrics uh, that contrast really well with the sort of droopy old bored rich guy in the original song. And so um, I think it actually, if you mix the two together, it gives the whole exercise maybe like a little, um, oh, what's the word, like, a, like credibility. It balances out the credibility of the song. So I think this sounds really good right here. I think we're going to... Again, very subtly in the back of the mix, we're going to drop in 
the the Chumbawamba chant. And I think if anybody notices, again, we'll just drop them a writing credit on the song, and they'll be I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that. They're uh, they're good lads, I imagine. Don't look up whether the guys in Chumbawamba are good lads or not, please. So I think basically we've got our song now. I think we have gone over the big changes that I've made, trying to think if there's anything else worth noting ahead of time. But mostly I think I I, kind of want it to be a, you know, I want it to be a pleasant surprise how much better the song is uh, than it was before. So let's just put all of the ideas together. Let's drop that final mix into the episode and you just uh, try to imagine it's 1981, right? You just got home from your job at the, uh, uh, I don't know, the. you just got home from your job at the Rubik's Cube factory. You just got home from your job at the Rubik's Cube factory and you're, better, you're, you're about to get ready to enjoy a, uh, uh, I don't know, a lukewarm classic Pepsi out of a pop tab can. Uh, and you turn on your little nightstand clock radio for... Uh, Casey Kasem, maybe. Uh, the big countdown. And you hear this. You may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another part of the world And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile And you may find yourself in a beautiful house With a beautiful wife And you may ask yourself, well, how cool is this? Heads, 
sports commentary. David Byrne, fire in the old statue gallery. Once, best song for falling slowly. Lifetime. Channel 4 Holiday Boots. I think that's better. I'm Hal Dottie. This is Hal Dottie's Punch-Up. Thanks for supporting Hal Dottie's Fast Track.